midfielder. Can he tee up someone in red? And it goes towards Lundgren! Hello and welcome back to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wigan, and with me today is the man with the plan, Logan Stone. That's a good show. That's got Joey Tribbiani in it. Um, hey, how's it going, everybody? I was just rhyming. I wasn't really thinking oh, okay. of the show, but yeah. Okay. Ouch. <laughs> uh, and we have uh, a man who can't stop, won't stop. It's Matt Hargrove. Is that a show? Or is that, no, is that... that's just... Uh, that's oh, okay. Just, apparently Damn. it's a song lyric, but I do not listen to that song. So uh, I just kind of thought of it. Um, mm. I'm pretty sure I've heard that somewhere. Anyway, and I, like I said, I'm your host, Jordan Wigan. No fun superlative in front of my name because nobody introduces me. Anyway, we're going to talk some Premier League weekend that just happened. We're going to preview some uh, Champions League. We're going to preview some Europa League. We're going to preview some FA Cup matches and Premier League as well. So we got a big show. So we're going to try to dive right into it. This was not the weekend for VAR uh, at all, really. There's tons of instances of some calls being overturned by VAR. Uh, there was also, I'm trying to think of what game it was now. Uh, the game that, well, you had the Manchester United McTominay, uh, foul that was called, uh, you had the, like the, the, the most marginal, the most marginal offsides call, I think in the history of all of these VAR calls where I can't even tell at all that the person is off. Like other times I'm able to say, oh yeah, the shoulder, like Doug McIntyre says is you know, right? Uh, not Doug McIntyre. Who is that? Who who is it? Uh, who am I thinking of? Um, who does the VAR threads? Dale Johnson. Yeah, Dale Johnson. Doug McIntyre was another uh, ESPN person at one point. I was going to say he's a, <laughs> he does MLS, I think. Yes, he does. Yep. So you know you have uh, you know sometimes when they explain those VAR calls, you're like, oh yes, the shoulder patch is slightly ahead of it. This was the most insane one yet i'm trying to think of what 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 game it was in now i'm, I'm scrolling here wolves fulham wolves fulham it may have been wolves fulham uh, i think it was like the first what, one of the weekend yeah it's a friday game yeah because i don't think it was any of the saturday games i'm trying to find it now on dale's um i remember him kind of reacting to that one as like that was the closest one we've ever seen 
Yeah, because it is uh, <clears throat> pretty uh, pretty rough. He had his Monday VAR thread, so let's take a look at that. It was... Uh, yeah, he talks about the McTominay yeah, one. Yeah, it was Fulham and... It was Fulham and Wolves, I think. Because in their ticker, it has it, too. Disallowed goal by VAR on the brink of halftime. Yes. So yep. very yep, controversial. It, it is, like... It's hair So thin. even... It, it, this, <laughs> this is like the definition of even, yeah. where you, you cannot overturn it. And I, I think this is going to be our number one topic of, of the weekend so far, I think, is, is VAR. And how to change it, how to make it work. I know some leagues have not had as much problems. Uh, you know, apparently like the McTominay one, that type of stuff has happened in other ones. You know, that was a buildup. In the buildup of the play, he... He was getting pulled, and he kind of moved his hand back and hit uh, uh, was it Sun in the face, and uh, that was yeah. deemed a a foul. This one, this is Fulham. It is uh, it, they don't have the players' names here, okay? But Fulham versus uh, uh, Wolves. You can't even tell it's wolves because of their darn uh, maroon and green jerseys. But the the player That's how I know. It looks like Portugal. Yeah, there you go. That's why they did that, I guess, right? <laughs> but we already have so many Portuguese players. Let's just uh, let's just make our jersey look that way. It is at this point, there's no advantage gained, right? We've been talking about this all season. When it's this close, when when it's just like the the patch of the sleeve matching the other sleeve, there's no advantage being gained at that point. And I I just don't know how else to fix it. Logan, I'm going to pitch it to you first. You're the man with the plan, as I as I <laughs> alluded to here. So I'm going to oh, put you no. on the spot. You're going to have to come up with a way to fix VAR. Go ahead, and I'll share my idea, because I am truly the man with the plan. But I do want to put you on the spot here. Okay. How do you fix things like this? Do you just leave them be? Is there other ways you can fix other issues with VAR, like the McTominay issue, and end this so. at the same time? Like, How are you going to fix this? All right. So it was Terrence Congolo, for those that don't know. He's a defender. So the poor man... Um, or it's like, and then number 10 is, I want to say, that would have been one of their defenders, maybe. Nope, that was uh, Podence, that's right. So it was Podence and Congolo. Uh, Congolo clearly played him on side. But anyway, um, I think the thing that they have to go to, unless they're checking VAR for, I would say, goals, which they already do, I mean, the goal check. Um, I'm going to say that, that a, a team, and play it through, but a team gets one challenge. I think that going to a system kind of like these other sports have gone to, basketball does it, baseball does it, um, what else does it, football does it. I, I think giving a team an allotment of challenges, maybe one per half, where you know the, the flag would go up or, or stay down, and then if they thought maybe it was offside, then the team could throw out a challenge flag. Then I think that that also helps with the fact that they could take it down and really make the rules different. So like, what can you challenge? Can you challenge offside? Can you challenge, you know, different things that, that uh, obviously the other sports, they kind of have this limit of things that you can challenge. 
um, you know, challenge that play that an arm goes swinging through on a handball or anything like that. But that also requires that the rules get written in a way that we can't have these nitpicking penalty, or, you know, these penalty calls that are in the box when the ball hits an arm and we can't decipher whether it's close to his body or really impacting the play. But I, I'm going to go with the challenge system like the other sports do because I think that that's the best way to handle it now. And that way you're not stopping every once in a while to try to figure it out. And I know TV, you know, it'll show like, hey, they got this wrong. But that that's most sports. They'll show, hey, this this wasn't yeah. the right call, but let's have our official in and see what he thought. Because I think it's great whenever, you know, an MLS and stuff uh, or international friendlies or anything like that, they don't have VAR to kind of check those situations out, um, which, which I'm all for. I really like the fact that they kind of stick away with it because now it's just gotten to the point like you said jordan it's nitpicking at this point there's everything such a close call just like the i hate the baseball one where the guy can come up off the bag in like a split second the gloves on him this is kind of that same thing we're at that point where give teams challenges and figure it out from there all right anybody that listened to me on the final third uh podcast um has known that i love three-stage plans okay so here's a three-stage plan how to fix VAR. Number one, you either have to put a daylight rule in in the offsides or things that are this close within like a centimeter, within like a millimeter is advantage to the goal scorer. People want to see goals, right? If it's this if it's this close, why are we ruling that out? You know? You know, what what is the point of ruling it out? You can't even tell, right? There's got to be some sort of... You're supposed to be correcting issues that are egregious, right? Instead of uh, just... And, and the thing is, too, you could say, okay, maybe by the lines he's a millimeter off, but you can't ever get a clear freeze frame of when the ball leaves the person's foot. So to me, there's there's no advantage gained here. Because, one, he's at the top of the box. He's at the top right corner of the box, right? I mean, obviously, he scores from this position, so maybe there's some sort of advantage, right? Uh, but he's going almost away from... He, he's not, like, right in the center of the box. He's he's further up. There's, there's nothing here to me that would be like, oh, he has an advantage just because he's, like... His, and, and also, you're using... Yes, you can score with your left patch or your right patch sleeve, but when the ball's not airborne, maybe that gets ruled out because you can't conceivably score with that part of your arm when the ball is being rolled to you. What are you going to do? Lay on the ground and shoulder it in? It's stupid. It's you know the the advantage is you know it's always supposed to be whatever part of the that you can score off of is offsides and you're offsides. So technically, they're allowing the sleeve thing due to the handball rule. And that is making it where you're uh, able to score with that. Common sense should say this ball is being rolled to his feet. Both of his feet are behind the defender. He gains no advantage from having his sleeve, which he's not going to score with on this play. Uh, offside. Just common sense should be like, okay, so this might be a five stage plan because you have stage one should be common sense. Stage two should be a daylight rule or just tie to the runner and quotes, you know, this there, there's barely an advantage gained here. Uh, so stage let's, let's go real stage. Number two, stage number two 
is uh, I don't want to go the challenge system. And in fact, I would want to get rid of that in every single sport. Remove challenges. Have a guy up in the box who's looking at this all the time that can just sit there and override the call on the field. I don't give a crap if the ref is the one that made the call on the field. His call, he's human. He doesn't have the best view. The people with the best view should override the people with the worst view. I'll, I'll bring up this whole Phillies Braves home plate situation where Whoa. they deferred. They deferred because they said it wasn't enough clear evidence, even though we could see by three different angles that his foot never touched by the like base. Like yeah, but if you angle. play them all at the same time, you can you can see exactly that he never touched the base. He's out. But they deferred to it because they said, you know, like his call on the field was safe. There was not enough to overturn it when there was, but they, they I guess, couldn't see. I, I don't know. I, I don't get that either, though. But in that case, there was a challenge system there. And we see in the NFL there's a challenge system. You can have people queue up replays so fast. There's times where we see replays of this stuff in every sport so quick, and we're automatically like, okay, well, th that's the answer. That's easy. Done. And instead, they watch it for six minutes, and then they come back and say, offside, or no goal, or no touchdown, or he's out, he's safe. It's, it's, uh, that's a technical, whatever you know, you're reviewing in any sport. Just, just get rid of the challenges. Have one guy. At each game, who is just constantly looking over this doesn't even have to be a referee because we know that they make some stupid-ass decisions as well. Then you have stage three, and stage three is, uh, I, I mean, so you have stage one, which is, which is common sense and uh, maybe a new offside rule. Stage two, getting rid of challenges. Stage three is just adding those two things together and... and testing that out for a season or two in another league, a league like MLS, a league like the Australian uh, Australian League, or you can test it out at some of these high leagues as well and just see how it goes. Because I bet you you have better results. You're still going to get some calls wrong. You're never going to get all the calls right, as we can see by some of the things they, they overturn or stand anyway. And... I think I think we can that would get rid of some of this get rid of VAR because sometimes it's taking six minutes, five minutes, three minutes for them to review this stuff. And then they come back with something like this, uh, which is marginal. And you're like, what's the point? Matt, you said it this weekend. You don't even celebrate a goal now until well, <laughs> until you check Twitter, which is ahead of the game. But if if you didn't check yep. Twitter first, if you were live, you're not celebrating until. They're done. You know what? I used to have this thing too, where when I'd watch the Ravens games, they we would always get a foul, like a penalty called on us, a lot of times when we would score touchdowns, just because we were undisciplined. That I would not celebrate a touchdown until, like, they're kicking the field goal, like the extra point, because I would be like, flags on the field, any flags on the field, any flags on the field, and I feel the same way with this right now, and it just gets increasingly work every worse every week. I like VAR. I think MLS implements it fine. Uh, a, lot, a lot of leagues implement it fine. But the English refs, uh, some of these European decisions that have been made recently are just so bizarre when you look at this. And, and it's just like, it's ruining, not the game, it's just ruining the experience. 
You know, the game is still going to be there. The game is still going to be there, but it's ruining the experience of being able to celebrate a goal, you know, being able to celebrate. Um, uh, and look, for some of these people, this affects their their bonuses. You know, what if Potence has a, a bonus of how many goals he scores in a season? You know, uh, this is and, and when it's this even, I just I just can't. I just can't, you know, use it for the egregious ones. But Matt, your thoughts on VAR? Yeah, I was to say it's it's like impossible to it, it really is impossible to actually cheer for a goal. And, and I, for example, um, with the Liverpool game, you know, they score a game winning goal in the ninety plus minute. And my first thought when I watched it was not, oh my god, we just scored the game winning goal. Like this is awesome. What a great what a great kick. Right. Like that was so impressive. I was honestly looking at it going, okay, like, please show me the replay. Cause I need to see what happened. Was the pass to Shakiri? Was he offside? Uh, he wasn't offside. Okay. So then Tiago kicks it saves. And then there's like this kind of like jump ball scenario where Joda's foot comes up and then the other guy's head kind of goes for it. And I was like, was that too high of a foot for Joda? Like, are they going to find this to be a foul? And then nice. I was like, okay, when, when Trent kicks it, there's no Liverpool player offside, right? Like there's nobody blocking the goalkeeper. I, I just need to know. And that's legitimately what it's like watching some of these games. I, I think you notice it more so when you watch your team because you care more about them scoring the goal. But that's honestly, that's how it's been for majority of the year because of these really, really minuscule calls. Like you get, you know, the Firmino call where he had handball at the midway line, like four touches before the the actual goal score and I, there are these different like, slight differences like the offsides and then the you know the subjective rules of the game i i really do think both of them need to be both of them need to be really looked at and dale johnson actually had a a good point on one of his on the mctominay is that you're watching situations like that where it's you know three four plays before the actual goal but then you're watching players, he brought up two West Brom goals where the West Brom players basically climbing over and tackling the guy as he's scoring the goal. Um, I think one was Liverpool and I want to say the other one might have been Man U. And those goals stood where that guy was probably more on a foul than McTominay was. But it's they're kind of rewarding the goal more than they're rewarding a build-up to the goal in those calls, which I think is something that needs to be looked at. But offside-wise, I... At this point, I think it just needs to be – I really think there needs to be a situation with daylight between those lines if they're going to use the lines. Because I think he actually brought something up that Premier League is one of the few that actually yeah. uses there's this, lines. Yeah, well, not just the lines thing, but there's a method called the UEFA light touch method, which he has said is supported by Pierluigi Kalina, um, which is pretty much if there's like a centimeter of doubt Right. If the images are not conclusive, um, then the field decision cannot be overruled. Um, so he's saying if there's a case of doubt, meaning this one that we were just talking about. Where they look really dead even and it's just like maybe a centimeter off, they're going to. Um, they would they would defer to the call on the field. Right. Because there's just there's it's like so school you can't even tell. And I, it, and I, I think when you look at it, it's almost impossible for the lines to 
to literally be on top of each other because you're always going to find a way. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're doing this on purpose, but you're always going to make sure that the cosmetic portion of this is not that there's two lines on top of each other. Cause I, I feel like they try to make sure one person is 100%, you know, based off their line is ahead of the other person. But then you get all these calls like the ones this weekend where the lines are, they're basic. I wouldn't even say they're like, they're not on top of each other, but they're touching. Like there's, there's no discernible difference really. Besides it is the, the closest to being on top of each colors. other that you will find. Yeah. Look, there's, I'm there's looking there's at no some of these ones from this season and like, it is like almost a, re- you almost only see the red line, which is the line of the person offside. You barely see any blue. Yeah. And that's, I think when you get to that point, you just, what is the actual advantage if that's how close you are? I, I, we, I don't play soccer. I played two years of soccer over the course of my entire life. I, but even then, I can't imagine if it's that close. And majority of these, you know, what's even worse is that the majority of these offsides are never guys right next to each other. It's like guys 10, 15, 20 mm-hmm. feet away from each other. And it's like, even if he was offside, there's still plenty of room and time between all of this that I don't think him being off offside, even if he is matters. And I, I, at least if you did somewhat of a daylight scenario where you saw some difference between the lines that I know that there's always going to be controversy, but maybe that takes away from some of the controversy. Cause you're like, okay, that, that amount of daylight. And I don't know how you would determine what you're trying to get out of it, but that is clearly more likely to result in an advantage then two people basically level halfway across, like halfway, uh, like on that vertical or no, like the horizontal side of the pitch. Like if you're on one side of the box and they're on the other side of the box, but your arm, like the top of your arm that they probably would call handball either way causes you to score a goal while that guy might not have even been close to it. He literally might not have been close to you at all. By the time the ball even gets shot and you're going to call it offside, I, I just don't like it. And I know in the NFL, one of the things they at least did this past season was if there's a holding play, but the ref realizes it's not anywhere near what's happening. Like if it's on, if you ran to the right side and this is happening on the left side of the, on the field, they were told to stop calling it because it's not affecting the actual game. Right. Right. And, it, <clears throat> and I think you're going to see it one day. You're going to see somebody on, the left side of the penalty box, get the ball, shoot like within seconds of receiving the ball. The guy is going to be on the, the defender is going to be on the right side of the box and they're going to do this thing where they're going to see that he's like minuscule offside when the defender never even got close. Like the defender was never there. He was never going to get there. The guy could have ran at the goalie quicker than the defender getting there. And I just think they can't change it now, but when next year, when there's a lot of fans in the stadium, if they're going to have full, sta- oh, like yeah. full stadiums, that's not going to be, it, it's really not going to be pretty. And it's almost like the refs decided no, no fans, like, you know, what, what, what's really going to happen? No one's going to throw garbage at us. No one's going to throw anything. No one's going to boo. Like, we're just going to sit there and make our calls and go. But next year, if some of these calls get like happen, you know, like you said, this is bonuses. This is relegation. This is, prim- this is champions league spots. Like, you're going to make a call like that. You're remember Villa would be relegated. Yeah. If last year. I mean, the, with, with, with that, 
wasn't it like a goal? Was it a goal they scored that, that they didn't score? Or, huh? Yeah, that was goal line was, tech uh, yeah, not yeah. working, right? But you should be able to have camera angles along with goal line tech that says <laughs> definitely we were all we were all able to see that cross the line. How's nobody else double checking that up in the booth? You know, that that's what's frustrating. Uh, Logan, any last thoughts here on either my my plan or uh, or just VAR in general before we move on? No, I think it. it I mean, again, it, it's not a perfect system. It's going to be impossible to eliminate any kind of human error just because you have humans. I mean, it's it's that point. But it, but like you said, it's it's getting to the point. It's ridiculous. It's it's every little thing now. It, it doesn't matter. And like the the this Fulham one is by far the worst. I mean, like you guys said. What's he supposed to do? Score with the Premier League patch? I just don't understand it. Right, um, there's no advantage there. There's, no, none at all. There's none. If a foot's offside, absolutely, it's a disadvantage. If a if a arm's offside, what the hell is he going to do with his arm? Like that's not that's against the rules to hit it in with your arm. <laughs> see, I could even so, see if it was a cross. If it was a cross, yeah. and he's able to shoulder it in, sure, yeah, whatever. But it, you know, it's a it's going to be like a through ball. But then look at that. Yeah. It doesn't make a matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so no, I agree. It's a, it's, it's ridiculous. It's gotten way worse too, uh, and it's only going to get worse, I think. So, well, hopefully next year they implement the centimeter thing, the, the, whatever it's called, the light touch method or whatever, and uh, maybe that'll alleviate some things. But let's move on. We got a big show, so we don't want to spend too much time on VAR. I think I just had to get a little rant out there. But we have Manchester City in first place with seventy four points. We have Manchester United in second with 63, Leicester in third with 56, West Ham in fourth with 55, Chelsea in fifth with 54, Liverpool in sixth with 52. In seventh is Tottenham with 49, Everton in eighth with 48. And I'd say that's probably where you could cut off the top four challenge. I don't think Arsenal's making it in ninth place right here with 45 points. They're 10 points behind fourth. I think realistically Everton and Tottenham are probably out and then you have a battle of Leicester West Ham Chelsea Liverpool for the last two spots it's it's heating up in particular it helps that Chelsea won four to one over Crystal Palace uh, that had two Pulisic goals Uh, you have Liverpool who came from behind and beat Aston Villa in the last minute of the match that keeps them on pace as well. You have the best result of the weekend leads to Manchester City 1. We're going to talk about this one first. We're going to ask Logan his thoughts on this. Uh, but first, let me just read some stats here. So Leeds had a 29% possession to Manchester City 71. Manchester City had expected goals of 2.16 to <laughs> Leeds 0.13. You have 29 shots from City to two for Leeds. Both of their shots get into the back of the net. Uh, With the 29 shots that City had, only seven were on target. Like I mentioned with Leeds, two shots, two on target, two goals. Both shots outside the box. Uh, Passes, only 173 for Leeds, 556 for Manchester City. It was a day to forget for the citizens. Logan, your thoughts here on this uh, leads down a man in the 45th plus one. 
scoring a 90 plus one winner at the ETAD. So the biggest issue for me, um, and it's not the game, it's fine. The, the lineup they put out there, I didn't really, it wasn't great. <laughs> I mean, they had Zinchenko playing in a center mid, um, you know, on the, on the right or the left side. Uh, they had Bernardo Silva on the right side, Fernandinho kind of a creating like the midfielder. It, so that's ultimately not a recipe for success. And then you got Torres, who it gets the goal, but he's not, I mean, he's not in form. He hardly ever plays. And then when he does play, it's kind of these random end of the game, end of the match. Uh, let me forget that he's out there and he's like, oh, yeah, he's pretty good. Let's put him out there. Maybe he can get us a goal. My issue is Raheem Sterling and, and Gabriel Jesus. Um, so City have denied reports that they're going to go after a striker. Um, I, I, I guess we can just turn at this point and say if we don't sign a striker, then I think the next option is a what's going to be an 18-year-old Liam DeLapp who's coming from the academy who is not proven in this league. He's got like 29 or 30 goals or something crazy with uh, the academy team. But I just don't. That's a concerning part, and when you don't have a number, you know, a number nine that's going to get goals, which was exactly what they thought Jesus would be. They thought he'd be Sergio's replacement. My biggest issue with that is the fact that he doesn't look anywhere close to being even really a second option off the bench. He gets so frazzled in the box, and he'll score these, he'll score these goals that are just kind of. Uh, uh, to be honest with you, I, I think they're more luck than anything. I, I don't think that he's skilled enough to be a top striker in, in Premier League and, and City really need a striker because Raheem Sterling's not going to score and Foden you can't rely on to score a ton either so I, I, you know you've got three front guys uh, uh, you know Riyad Mahrez probably is our best scorer at the moment and there's times where he goes into a weird spell of not being able to get goals and he gets a little too selfish sometimes but yeah, I think my biggest issue is going into these Champions League games and these final games and finals of cups and 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 having nobody at top that's going to put away a goal. And with Sergio kind of healthy, I mean, I'm at the point where, I mean, this is his last hurrah. If he's somewhat healthy, he can, can play 45 minutes. I don't see why he's not traveling with the team, why he's not playing. I mean, he wasn't even on the, the, the sheet at all. So trying to figure out, you know, where to go from here. I'm not worried about the game. I'm more worried about kind of the stuff that's going toward the end of the league, you know, towards the end of the league and towards the end of Champions League, too. Um, another big concern was Ederson. <laughs> he looked awful. Um, if he has a couple more games like that, uh, Jordan, I don't think Stefan's going to have to go anywhere. Um, just just kind of wait it out because he looked miserable uh, back there. So and, and I think a lot of that is defense, but also there's a couple times, one where he just lets it go right through his legs. But more concerned about going into Champions League and in the form that we're not necessarily in anymore. Um, that's the thing that's concerning to me. Matt, um, Leeds up to 10th. They're actually even on points with Arsenal. They're now above Aston Villa by a point, though Aston Villa has a game in hand, but they had a hot start to the season, and now Leeds is above them. Let me ask you, a master class from Bielsa for this? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, God, I, I understand why people throw that term out, and I actually think they're being serious. Um, 
that's not a master class when you give up all of that possession all those shots and you just happen to catch city on one of the worst days that they've ever had hitting the goal i that that's just luck um honestly i i know logan i logan probably i is watching them feeling this bit the same way but i City don't have a lot to play for, I feel like, right now in the league. I know if United win their game in hand, it's eight points with with six games to go. And, yeah, that's a little probably closer than you would like to see it. But I Mm -hmm. I just don't think City – I think City's a team, if they need a win, they'll get a win. Um, So I I think right now they're kind of just in the the method of – we have a lot of games still coming up. You've got – obviously, I don't think they're going to have trouble getting through Champions League. They've got Carabao Cup final. They got FA Cup semifinal. Probably FA Cup final. I mean, I, I just think right now the league is probably not the biggest concern when they face a team like, like Leeds, who's not really going to affect whether or not they win. And I just think it was a, a game where they were probably trying stuff. And I think as a City fan, I'd rather it be against Leeds, um, with the league pretty much in hand, than against Dortmund here on Tuesday or they play. No, Wednesday, I believe. Yeah. Like, Wednesday, I, yeah. maybe that's somewhat Pep learning. Like, he's not going to try to make the big change here against Dortmund or big change in the Carabao final. He's just kind of doing it in the league and seeing what works. And honestly, I think if you played that entire game over again, City probably win it 5-2, 5-1. I just think Leeds got lucky. Um, and I... I don't even feel like the Leeds players, and uh, I, I think Bielsa didn't really. I think he said that like, Pep didn't beat him, or like he didn't beat Pep. Like he, it just kind of, you know, it was one of those days. And I think as a Sydney fan, you should just probably be happy it happened on Saturday and not any time else. So I, I hate the word masterclass because it has to mean you actually did something impressive. I just think they got lucky. Wait a minute. Yep. We should one thing before we move on. Yeah. Uh, we should definitely try a back five or and a double pivot all at once when we get to play like Bayern or PSG next, because that that's what Pep likes to do is test it out against teams that don't matter, not like a <laughs> Leeds. That was our best lineup. That would be a perfect formation to go up against Liverpool. You're gonna put seven at the back. <laughs> Come on, man! Like you would win probably two three nil. Speaking of Liverpool. They come from behind against Aston Villa. Ali Watkins scored, take the lead. Salah equalized. And then a Trent Alexander-Arnold game winner in a season that's been kind of tough for him. Uh, Matt, your thoughts here on a 2-1 victory for Liverpool that moves them within two of fifth and within three of fourth place. Yeah, that was... I mean, it was nice to see because I won't lie. The first half felt exactly like every every game they played at home this entire uh, like 2021, where they dominate possession, have all the opportunities, and then the one chance the other team gets, it goes through. And I was like, this is exactly. And then there was a nice little VAR dispute too, and I was like, this is every single game. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, honestly, it was really nice to see before this big game here on Wednesday against Madrid. I think they really needed a game where not only did they score at home, win at home, but also coming back is something they've had trouble doing this season, which is everything I just said, scoring at home, winning at home, coming back, that's been the staple of Klopp's team the last few years. And this year it just seems like it hasn't been happening. Um, And so it's been frustrating, but they looked 
they looked like a team that you know it, uh, it gave me hope that they could maybe get top four i do think they have one of the easier schedules if you're just going based off of table rankings um which is why i i think they still have a decent shot compared to like a lester um and honestly i think chelsea have like the hardest schedule and there's seven games i think they face like five of the top seven or eight teams um which we don't know what will happen with it, but it, it's definitely big for them to stay in the race to get top four because I really think that's something that they're trying for, and they they really want to to have something positive come out of the season because it's been one one hell of a season for them, um, not only on the field but off the field with everything that's happened with some of the players. It's just been something where they just kind of want to see some sort of positive ending to it, and I I don't think they're gonna. I know we'll probably talk a little. I don't think they're gonna come back against Madrid. So I think getting this win was huge. Um, hopefully to get that top four, but it, it was nice. I still think they've been playing a lot better with Fabinho at the six. And I, I think that's really helped them attack wise. Um, but I would like to see Klopp go a little bit more attack minded here on Wednesday because the four, three, three, they play has not been really impressing. And every time they take somebody out to make a 4-2-3-1, whether it's, you know, against Arsenal, they they brought uh, Jota on for Robertson and had two mid, uh, I think it was Tiago, or maybe it was, I believe it was Tiago Fabinho at, at the double pivot. And they put Milner at left back, but they had all the attack players up at the front. Um, I know they did it against City in November, and I thought the attack looked really good. It was just that game that everyone was tired. Um, and even in this game, at the end, when Shakiri came on and they actually went to a bit of a 4-2-3-1, they probably should have scored a second goal right there at the end with Mane, who like kicked it right to the goalie. So I just think they need to take a little bit more risk here, but it was it was nice to see. I mean, the season's been rough as it is, so every anytime they can get this nice little positive result, it's been fun. Yeah, it definitely keeps... Uh... Liverpool in the hunt here uh, for something that would be very important for them after the bummer of a season they've been having. Uh, but both uh, both Chelsea and Liverpool are trying to catch Leicester and West Ham, and they both faced off against each other on Sunday. And Jesse Lingard gave West Ham a 1-0 lead 29 minutes in, and he doubles that lead 44 minutes in, 48 minutes in, they triple the lead. It's 3-0. Gerard Bowen scores, assisted by Suchek. And then what does West Ham do with a 3-0 lead? Almost squander it the last three weeks in a row. Uh, Ian Nacho scores to make it 3-1 in the 70th minute. And he scores again in the 90-plus-1 to make it 3-2. With six minutes added, they had five more minutes. Lester did. To find the back of the net, they don't do it. And West Ham keep pace. It puts them, like I said, in fourth. If they had lost that match, they would have had 54 points and been tied with Chelsea. Chelsea would have went up to fourth due to the goal differential. So West Ham needed that victory. So it keeps them ahead of it. Um, Lester is now only one point above West Ham, and it now kind of puts them into the spot without winning that. If they had won that match, they'd be at 59 points. Uh, Loie, your thoughts here on this 
three, four, five, six battle we have here. Um, these two better watch it. <laughs> uh, that, that's. I think both of them have not been exceptional as of late. Um, and, and when you've got teams like a Chelsea and a Liverpool chasing you down, the especially West Ham, it, it's concerning. Um, just because I think that even though they've grabbed a couple wins here and there, they they've been close to coughing it up. And and they're actually the more suspect of the two, I think. Um, Leicester has a has an easier schedule, I think, to kind of wrap it up. Um, their last three games, I think, are a nightmare. But other than that, I think that the the before that they've got. Um, so they've got West Brom, they've got Crystal Palace, Southampton, Newcastle before they gear up to play United and Chelsea and Tottenham. Um, you know, I think both of them, you, you do, you got to be concerned. You got to hear those footsteps coming because I think Chelsea and Liverpool are starting to figure out what's going on. Uh, Pulisic looks like he's going to return to that, you know, end of the, end of the um, campaign run that he always seems to go on here. Um I think you've got Liverpool that's finally figured out they can score again. That's terrifying. Um, so, yeah, and you know, I think it's two teams that uh, Leicester and West Ham need the season to end uh, and quickly because I think that the, the two teams on their heels, um, I think you could see easily those two swapping places uh, with the other two. Uh, Leicester's got a little bit more of a cushion with the one point. But, again, I'm just not convinced that either team is in form and i think the other two are really starting to turn a corner here um west ham I, i'm almost calling it now uh, i i think i predicted last show that liverpool would end up in that four spot and if it's not liverpool it's going to be chelsea now it's a matter of can lester keep it together otherwise they're going to be seeing their way down to probably the fifth or sixth spot too just wouldn't that be a shame actually if lester and west ham end out it would suck that would that'd be kind of brutal. Uh, but Chelsea for... gets Chelsea gets to smack at both of them. I think. Um, I know they do against West Ham. Yeah, yeah. they get to hit. They get to play both. Chelsea of them. plays both. <laughs> well, there you go. Chelsea might have yeah. a shot here. They have uh, man- well, so they got here's Chelsea's upcoming schedule. They got Champions League on Tuesday, which we'll talk about. They got Man City on Saturday for the FA Cup. Then they have Brighton on Tuesday the twentieth. West Ham on Saturday the twenty fourth. Fulham on the first of May, City uh, on September. I mean, on May eighth, September eighth. Jeez. Uh, May twelfth is Arsenal. May fifteenth is Leicester. May twenty third is Aston Villa, and that's how it wraps up. I so yeah, those two games could side. really. Those the two Ham, Oops, sorry. Go ahead, sorry. I can do the West Ham side before you, so you can talk about that one too. Newcastle and then Chelsea, Burnley. Everton, Brighton, West Brom, Southampton. So they've got a little bit of a lighter schedule than Leicester and Chelsea do. Yeah, they just have to be careful. They almost blew a 3-0 lead to Wolves. They blew a 3-0 lead to Arsenal. You know, if they got that uh, 3-0 victory over Arsenal, or at least a 3-2 victory over Arsenal, it puts them another two points up. They'd be at 57. They'd be actually in third place right now. Uh, But... It's the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. West Ham probably... I mean, West Ham has an easy schedule, but when you look at it, if if they lose to Chelsea, yep. that could be the... That's the reason they it. don't yep. make it. Because if Chelsea and Liverpool go off and win their remaining seven games, the they only Chelsea's thing Chelsea's going to lose to City on the eighth. I'm just saying. Like, yeah. I don't know. City's they, out of like, it. They're, they're going to be playing deep down the Champions League, Jordan. I don't know if yeah, they'll be saying. playing a lot of their guys. <laughs> sure. It we'll run out there with Ake. Really, 
it really wouldn't shock me to see both of those teams win the rest of their games. And I, that's what's crazy is that West Ham, that's how, like, how small of a margin of error they possibly have. Because if they lose to Chelsea, that's going to knock them all the way down to six, possibly. It's going to depend on what does Leicester do. Because if Chelsea and Liverpool win the rest of their games, that means Leicester also lost. So then Leicester would have to win the other six games. And they also have a pretty somewhat tough schedule. So I... It, I think in the end, it's going to be the teams that have been here before. Well, you guys can call me a bad Chelsea fan or something. The romantic in me, the soccer romantic in me says, I want Leicester and West Ham in that three and four spot. I think that'd be really good for, I think that'd be really good for the Premier League. Uh, I think that'd be really good for those fans. Uh, Also, Chelsea has won a Champions League, so who cares? It's not like we're going to win it next year anyway. And it's not like we need to bring more players in anyway because it's effectively like our players that sucked this year are pretty much going to be new signings in the summer. So uh, so I, I, I'd be fine with fifth. I'd be fine with fifth. Um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, that would just be really fun to see Leicester and West Ham, West Ham specifically, if they can make it in to the top four. That'd be a good time. Uh, that'd be a lot of celebrating in the streets. In London, where West Ham is. Oh, could you imagine if they finished the highest of the London teams? Jeez, that'd be crazy. I was going to say, the London team's getting ready to smack down on each other because it's them, I think Arsenal and them are playing. I think Chelsea has like three of their four games are in London. Arsenal plays Fulham, yeah. who's in London too. So that's all, yeah, that's right. They have Fulham too. Yeah, yeah I think um, that's where Chelsea is. Three or four. Arsenal, they've got um, Fulham, and then they've got West Ham. Let's let's talk some relegation. Let's skip ahead to the relegation fight here, which Newcastle has won a game. They beat the illustrious Burnley, who is above them in the table by a point. And it took uh, them coming from behind they were down one nil they come back and win two one in the 59th and 64th minute that puts them now at six points above fulham and a game in hand against fulham that i think this weekend really put the nail in fulham's coffin what do you say matt yeah i was looking at it earlier i I think this there's a slight chance, but I, I think this was this was probably the last remaining gasp they had. Um, they really, really need some luck here because they don't. I don't believe they have a particularly easy end. No, I mean, even that game against Newcastle is starting to look like it might not mean much because Newcastle is finding ways to get just these little results that are keeping them afloat. Um, now, right now, there's six points. I mean, if Newcastle, even if Newcastle lose six points in six games, I know that doesn't seem like a lot, but for a team at the bottom, I feel like it's a lot more than a team at the top. Um, I, I, I don't think it's possible. I, it sucks to see, you know, they've actually played really well. Like, I've actually been impressed, and I actually and I still think they're going to give some teams a, a decent game. I, they'll give Arsenal a good game. They'll give Chelsea a good game. You know, they'll probably fight pretty hard against United, and I, I, can, I can imagine they could beat any of these teams if they have the right things go. But, you know, it's 
the start of their season was just not not good enough, and it's going to be hard. They're the second lowest scoring team in the league at this point. I I don't think you can really survive if you're going to be one of the two lowest scoring teams, and it's it's unfortunate because you know they they were impressive at times this season, and I personally I think at this point I'd rather see them up than Newcastle because um, I, I just Newcastle really have not been impressive. They're kind, they're pretty pretty boring. Um, and so I, I just haven't been a huge fan of them this season, but they, they didn't take their chances. And unfortunately it's pretty much going to be back to the old uh, championship for them. They'll probably be back up the year after though, because they seem to do that. <laughs> Logan, I want to read some stuff for you here. Four straight losses for Fulham right? Including yes, they lost to Manchester city. Expect it. They lost to Leeds. They lost to Aston Villa and they lost to Wolves. These are games they probably could have won another one or two out of those. While Newcastle has three draws out of their last five, one loss and one win. It seems like Newcastle has been kind of picking up the points. Like Matt said, to get them there, they drew against Tottenham last week. They just beat Burnley this week. Uh, what do you got to say here for Newcastle and Fulham? Anything at all here about this relegation fight? Mike, Ashley, please sell the club. Ashley, please <laughs> sell the club. Thank you. No, I, 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 I do. I really hope that Newcastle get I Because mean, they, they look like the most attractive club. I think, I mean, even though they've struggled here this year, they've got the stadium, um, Newcastle. They got the history. Is, they got the yeah, fans. Got, yeah. Right. Um, I think they've got uh, what the heck is his name? Is it Steve Bruce? That's our coach. Is he still? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's not think... going to be, though. Yeah, I was going to say that. Well, I was going to say, I don't think so. Well, I mean, it depends. I, I really do. I, I don't know. Maybe Chris Wilder would be OK for this spot uh, coming in. Maybe they can get new money in. I don't know. You know, who else is out there as far as a, a Jesse Marsh <laughs> uh, would be fun. But no, I'm just I'm just dreaming at this point. But yeah, Mike Ashley needs to sell the club. It's time. This club is circling the drain. They're lucky they didn't get snapped back into the championship. If Fulham would have just put some games together and, instead of dropping their last four, even a couple points, this ending would have been interesting. But I, I just don't. It's over. Uh, Fulham's going down with the with the other three. And I'm sure that we'll see. And probably two of those three bright back up maybe next year. So, yeah, I, it's too bad because I, I really like the way that Fulham was playing. And and actually, you know what? Now they say that I'm probably Fulham has a lot of guys that came over on loan. I think Lookman um, was definitely somebody that came over on loan. One of their other players, one of the, uh, who's the kid from Chelsea, Jordan, that came. Uh, I think it was Loftus Cheek. Can't Fulham? remember his name. Is that what you're saying? Um, but what Loftus Cheek? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yep. So, you know, I, I feel it's too bad, but I think this is it. This is the relegation battle is over. And I think now it's just that battle for that three, four spot and we can wrap the season up. Well, we won't wrap the season up yet, but we will wrap up the Premier League here and we will move over to the FA Cup, which is this weekend Chelsea versus Manchester City on Saturday, the 17th, Leicester versus Southampton. On the 18th, uh, to me, the, the team that this means the most to would probably be uh, Chelsea and Leicester. I mean, I think Southampton would, of course, like a trophy, but I think 
realistically, I don't think they'll beat Leicester. So I think uh, for Leicester, this would prove that the the project is working. If they get top four and they get an FA Cup. For Chelsea, I think it would show that the Tuchel issue, uh, you know, project is working. If they could win an FA Cup, they got to the FA Cup last year under Frank Lampard, lost that after Pulisic put them ahead and had to hop off the field. Manchester City, uh, I don't think it really means anything for, to be honest. I, I think you guys all want your quadruple or whatever you guys are calling it now, but don't think that that will happen. Uh, any thoughts, Matt, on these FA Cup matchups? Um, uh, you know, I, I kind of would like to see Southampton, um, Southampton win it just because they are the team that's, that's not in the top five in the, in the semifinals. So it is kind of right. nice to see somewhat of an underdog, but I'm not, I don't know. It, it's, it just always feels like you're going to see city win these things. And I, I, I've almost lost a lot of interest in Carabao and FA Cup. Um, I know part of that's just Liverpool never play well in these these tournaments because they just don't have depth. So they usually are playing pretty young guys, and then they get knocked out pretty quickly. But I don't know. I, I part of me what would probably like to see a team like Chelsea go through to have more games to play, and I you know I feel like that could possibly help Liverpool. I, this is more on the Liverpool's fan standpoint, but I'm pretty much just neutral to whatever happens. Um, I guess, yeah, even if City or Chelsea win it, I'm just like, eh, eh. you know, these tournaments are feel like they're starting to mean less and less to top teams because they want to win the Champions League and the title. They don't really, like, especially Carabao. Like, I, I just don't even think it matters. Maybe it matters to Harry Kane with the Carabao Cup that's coming up. But, like, the FA Cup in this situation, <clears throat> I really think Leicester and Southampton are the two teams that would probably want to win it most just to get that trophy um but i it's i don't know the 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 domestic cups are just losing their their flair to me um as i get more and more into into soccer as i've gone on being a fan it's just something about them just never feels the same as a league game or champions league or europa league Logan, your thoughts? Was I off base here? Does this cup mean anything to the um, to the citizens? Yeah, anytime Pep's in a cup, he wants the cup. Uh, and we're going to freaking play like we want to, even though sometimes I think it's at the detriment to the team. <laughs> I think that uh, the Champions League is what we're going to want. But uh, damned if Pep isn't going to try to win all these cups, and I'm just afraid of what could happen if he does try to go for a treble, or uh, not treble, a, a quadruple, but... You know, I think a trouble is definitely in his in his view, and I think that he could do it. Um, it's just a matter of at, at what point at what point are you going to start to lose guys due to fitness, or if there's injuries, you know, who kind of fills in. That's my biggest concern. And then it kind of is scary to look over at Liverpool and after that really good run that they had, Champions League, Premier League, all these cups and stuff that they've been fighting for, and and you got a bunch of guys that are on the medical bill it's something that's concerning to me just how many games we're going to have to play and just be absolutely wiped but i guess you know i guess it'd be fun to try to see if we can win them all but I, you're like you said jordan i don't think it happens i don't think we win champions league but um i'm hoping we do but i do think that it just i just don't feel it especially the way we've been playing All right. Uh, well, let's move on from the FA Cup here, and we will talk some Champions League. 
Manchester City took a 2-1 lead uh, against Dortmund in their first uh, leg on Tuesday. They had Real Madrid beat Liverpool 3-1 on Tuesday as well. You had PSG take on the champions without Lewandowski 3-2 PSG with Mbappe having a pretty good performance. And Chelsea on Wednesday as well, 2-0 over Porto. Uh, that was an away match for Chelsea. It was an away match for PSG, an away match for Liverpool, home game for City. And Tuesday, that's tomorrow, the 13th, Chelsea face Porto. Then we have PSG versus Bayern Munich at the same time, 3 p.m. And then on Wednesday, April 14th, we have Dortmund versus City in leg two, Liverpool versus Real Madrid in leg two and uh matt i'll pitch it to you first you kind of alluded to it but any shot for liverpool here um there, there's always a shot but i i don't personally think they're gonna get through um i i think they just need to be for them to get through i think they need to be a little bit more aggressive than they have been recently and even with all their injuries real madrid's midfield is just too good um they just dominated. That that was one of the worst performances I've watched Liverpool play this entire season. That's been filled with some pretty rough ones, and I just watched it going. I don't know who this team is. Like it just didn't seem like they were interested. Um, but that away goal is going to be the only reason I got some hope. You know, because you could play a really poor game and still win two nil. You just got to find a goal in both halves and. I, I do think it's going to come down to whatever team, whoever scores first, I think is going to be the winner of the game. I just, history recently with how Liverpool's played, I just can't imagine they're the team that scores first. So I, as much as I would like to see him continue, I don't even, even if they continued, I don't think they could win it. Like, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't know if they would beat Chelsea. And even if they beat Chelsea, I don't think they could beat PSG or Bayern or City in a one-off. I just, it's probably it's almost like it's best to just put him down now, you know. Don't don't give me further hope. <laughs> um, I do want to say I thought it was really hysterical, actually, how on the CBS pre-show all the English people were were choosing all the English clubs to get through, and almost all English finals at times, and whole bunch of stuff like that. Uh, Logan, your thoughts here on Manchester City. They have uh, gave up an away goal to Dortmund, but they were able to score a winner at the death. Your hopes on them uh, moving through, or are you a little worried here against uh, the struggling Borussia Dortmund? Um, I'm a little worried, of course, because this is not a round that's very favorable. <laughs> um, but... I, I, you know, the, the, as much as I worry, I think it's more just nerves. I, I think it's actually better that City obviously got that goal. It gave him some confidence, and I think it was confidence that came from a Foden that uh, he, he just needed to score. And I think that, you know, we handled Halan pretty well. He, he, he looked completely out of it in the first half. It wasn't until the second half that they got him a bunch of touches. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think Diaz knows how to play him a little bit better now feel a little bit more confident in that uh plus i think uh, dortmund's gonna have to get a goal they're gonna they're gonna come out and try to attack city and, and teams that try to do that especially with how well we had been playing defensively 
it hadn't been good. So I, I could see this one being like, uh, you know, a 3-2 or a 3-1 win for City. But I, I'm feeling pretty confident. I think this is the best that we, the best situation we've been in, um, obviously, in Champions League. So I think we're, we're looking good, and, and I hope that we get through to the next round because I can't wait to see which team is sitting there waiting for us because I don't think that they're at their top uh, form either. So it's a lot of teams that are just trying to find their who's going to become the, the better team in this competition. So We got PSG. I think they might be able to do it, Matt. I think they might be able to beat Bayern here. They have three away goals to Munich's two home goals. Uh, your your thoughts on PSG maybe upsetting here and getting to face uh, City or Dortmund? I was going to say, I'm actually, I think I'm in the same opinion here. I, I, I think they actually might do it. Um, I, I know there's no fans, but Bayern have had so many injuries. Um, and I, somebody posted like an injured, injured teams and the amount of injuries Bayern have right now. Part of me just wonders if they're, they can last another 90 minutes with, with PSG. And I really don't think they will. Um, that three away goals is going to be huge because I, the game's not going to be scoreless. <laughs> um, so I think PSG really just needs to probably get a goal or two and then hold on. And I, I really think they're going to be the team that faces City in the, uh, in the semifinal. And I actually think they'll be – something about him. Uh, Pochettino's been in the final before. So it's, it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing to get there. Right. Right. So I, I don't he think gave City a headache. <laughs> I, I th- honestly, I think if I'm City, I part of me would rather be facing Bayern. I think in the semifinal, between all their injuries and how open they've been the entire season, compared to a PSG team that's actually probably faced more issues with the coaching change, and you know they're not actually winning the league either. I part of me wonders how like PSG is kind of putting a lot more effort than than they have been recently, and with you know, rumors of Mbappe possibly leaving. There's like, there's a lot of like, is this their last big run toward this Champions League final if, if certain players leave? I, part of me is almost thinking PSG might be the team that wins it if they get through Bayern. Yeah, I'm, I'm with the same opinion. I think they can, I think they can win the whole thing right now. I think Pochettino has been a really good pickup for them. And I think, you know, Mbappe said he won't renew at 2022, at the end of 2022, which means that they would probably want to sell him either this summer or at least that's really the last chance they would be able to. So I guess we'll see how it goes. Let's just quickly talk some Europa League before we get out of here. Roma beat Ajax 2-1. Arsenal tie with Slavia Prague 1-1. That's the team that knocked out uh, Leicester. Villarreal 1, Dinamo Zagreb 0, Granada 0, Manchester United 2. So those games are on Thursday, April 15th. So you have Manchester United with a 2-0 away goal lead. I think that one's pretty clear. They'll go through. Slavia Prague might be able to beat Arsenal here. They got an away goal. So we'll be interested to see what happens there. Roma Ajax is a fun little matchup with uh, only a goal in between them. But I guess actually Ajax has, uh, if they score one goal, they have to score another one because Roma has two away goals. And then Villarreal with the away goal over Dinamo Zagreb. So a lot of stuff to look forward to in those matchups there. Um, 
And then we have the Premier League matches this weekend as well. Friday, Everton, Tottenham at 3 o'clock. Saturday, Newcastle versus West Ham. The Southampton-Crystal Palace game was moved due to Prince Philip's uh, funeral. Wolves versus Sheffield United at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Sunday, Arsenal versus Fulham. United versus Burnley. And Monday, Leeds versus Liverpool. Tuesday, Chelsea versus Brighton. And Wednesday, Spurs versus Southampton. We'll probably uh, still do our show on Monday, and then we won't know that Chelsea, Brighton, Spurs, Southampton results yet. But a lot to look forward to here. Just, uh, you know, about two games a day, one to two games a day. Um, it's supposed to be three on Saturday, but that move of Southampton Crystal Palace, it won't be, but you will have the FA Cup matches on Saturday and Sunday as well. So we are getting towards the home stretch here, ladies and gentlemen. We are at uh, most teams having 32 or 31 games, which would mean that there is between six to seven games left in the Premier League. Plus, you know, we're on the semifinals of the FA Cup. We have the final of the Carabao Cup at the end of April, April 25th, I think it is. And then uh, we have the remaining parts of the Champions League and Europa League. So we are almost done our first full season of covering the league, which is exciting. Uh, Logan, who did we uh, just have on Stateside Soccer Show talking some inner Miami? I have no idea. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, we had Kobe Price on, and he covers the team. Uh for my or what is, where are we uh where does he miami you're right yeah no i know <laughs> but he covers it for the sentinel down in orlando the yeah south florida sun south sentinel. florida sun sentinel i get confused because we have the orlando sentinel here so i it tries to throw me off here but yeah florida we, loves we their sentinels <laughs> yeah i got <laughs> yeah I guess. um yeah we had uh miami on and then we had alex campbell on of hot time old town that's such a hard thing to say and soccer cast and he talked chicago fire that episode's dropping tomorrow and then orlando jordan and i are finished with our season previews tomorrow at 5 30 we're recording our orlando city preview and when we've got um a good guest lined up for that uh we got mike gramajo i think that's how you say it um and he's covered the team for quite some time he was formerly with uh, the sun sentinel now he's with the um, I want to say it's called, I don't want to mess this up, so I'm going to look it up. But he's with the Orlando Soccer Journal, so uh, and that's something that he's co-founded. So that'll be awesome to talk to him and see what that's all about. And then Jordan and I are done with our previews. And uh, except for the big preview that we will be recording on Thursday, releasing on Friday, it's our season predictions where we talk, we put a, we put a team in each spot of the table in both the Eastern conference and the western conference we go over our golden boot winners we go over our manager of the year we even pick the eight u.s open cup teams that we think are going to qualify for that uh, off of that new qualification method for 2021 uh, that we will go over and that as well and friday night we should be going live during houston dynamo versus san jose earthquakes on twitch and youtube we'll figure out if twitter can do it i guess now and uh that would be just a watch along you watch the houston dynamo versus san jose with us that game's on espn plus you put that on you you watch us react you watch us talk about the game listen to us talk about the game 
and then the season has officially kicked off at that point. Wednesday night, I will be at the Philadelphia Union Champions League, leg two, which they have a 1-0 lead against Saprissa that they are taking home. So we will see how that stands, and we'll probably go over that a little bit on the Thursday preview that we record that'll be released Friday. Maybe just a quick rundown on the CONCACAF Champions League results. Just tons of content here on Stoppage Time and Stateside Soccer Show. If you want to reach us, you can contact us on Twitter at Stoppage Show, Facebook.com slash Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Email us at Stoppage Time Show at gmail.com or Instagram us at Stoppage Time Soccer Show. That's where you can file all your complaints about uh, uh, about our my my VAR fixing uh, stage plan thing and uh, and any other complaints or questions or concerns that you have can be directed there and we will catch you all next week. Kane has stolen it at the death. That's what he's there for. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.